Hey everyone. Today's book came out in 1947 with the groundbreaking idea that maybe not every bedtime story needs to have a kid get eaten by a witch. It's Goodnight Moon by <laughs> Margaret Wise Brown. I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, and I too also decorate my kid's room with a picture of bears and an old woman. <laughs> and an open fire. <laughs> And a dollhouse where when the room lights are turned off, the dollhouse is still lit from within. <laughs> what on earth is happening in that dollhouse? <laughs> and I'm David Vance. We didn't have this book growing up, but we did have the book where the old mom breaks into her adult son's house and, with the strength of a bodybuilder, rocks his giant frame, singing a lullaby even though he's already asleep. Goodnight Moon is a classic minimalist children's book. I bet 20 bucks that in 10 years it'll be a wacky movie with celebrity cameos and pop culture jokes written just for the parents. <laughs> and this is The Book Pile. That little house, uh, the last time I read this to my five-year-old, he pointed at that house and he said, but what lives in there? <laughs> and it sounded even creepier that he asked what. <laughs> I assume maybe the mouse that is being so cavalier around those cats. <laughs> <laughs> the tiniest cats in the world, if these are regular-sized bunnies. <laughs> All right, and if you want to see me live, I'm going to be in Denver, Colorado this week, September 23rd and 24th, Comedy Works South. Go to kellenerskin.com for tickets. Finally, our next book is Writing Movies for Fun and Profit with special guest Danny Mack. All right, and without further ado, here are three lessons that we took from Goodnight Moon, followed immediately by our interview with Chad Daniels about Goodnight Moon. If you're here just for Chad Daniels, feel free to skip ahead to our interview with him starting at 15 minutes and 40 seconds. Also, stick around at the end of the podcast. We have some bonus audio of a bonus conversation that has nothing to do with Goodnight Moon. It was super fun working with him. So now, without even more ado, lesson one, it can be hard to predict and or duplicate success. So I have to admit that if I were at this pitch meeting, I would have thrown the author out of my skyscraper. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> That actually sounds way more violent than I meant. <laughs> How did you mean it? <laughs> I, used to, I wouldn't have had her like thrown off the balcony. I would have just had her escorted out. And I would have fired whoever got her the meeting, right? If someone came in to a boardroom like... All right, here's the book idea. Two bunnies, mm -hmm. well, mostly just one, and he says goodnight to stuff. I'm sure I would have been like, get her out of here, along with those idiots that have bears living in a treehouse. I'm here to make money. Animals aren't people. <laughs> but then this book eventually sold millions, and I'm not surprised. I loved it as a kid. I loved the finding the mouse in every room. I loved the warmth. Oh, is... Is finding the mouse supposed to be one of the things you do? That's what I did, because the mouse is in every room. See? Now you want to go back and read it. <laughs> this is my sixth sense moment. <laughs> <laughs> also, the mouse was Bruce Willis the whole time. 
I love the mittens, the kittens, and all of it just felt cozy as the moon gets higher and higher and the room gets darker and darker. The one room, you ever notice that this book is a bottle episode? (laughs) I wonder if the illustrator was like, look, we only have the budget for one location. And no ideas. So it sells tens of millions. Two years after it was published, Margaret Wise Brown and Clement heard uh, the John and Paul of children's books. <laughs> they, they write another book called My World, which is like the sequel. And I'm sure the publisher was like, give us another good night moon, like counting money. <laughs> I don't know if you've read it or seen it. It was a flop. It wasn't, there were 30 years where they just didn't print it at all. Wow. It's the bunny. He's fully awake now. He's in his house. It's all over the place. Like, randomly, you're in one room. You see his toothbrush with his mom's toothbrush. Uh, at one point, his dad is fixing the family car. Also, the old woman is gone, which means that Goodnight Moon must have happened on date night. <laughs> or the old lady's agent asked for more money in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Lesson two. Nice things can have dark backstories. I only have one point today. I just went so deep down this rabbit hole. I started reading about the making of this book, not out of curiosity, but because I have nothing to say about the book. (laughs) And I expected something like sweet and simple. I did not expect Goodnight Moon's backstory to have so much adultery. (laughs) What? It felt like The Great Gatsby, where it's just affairs and hatred and money. (laughs) Whoa. So first, the author, Margaret Wise Brown. Anointed by life as the world's most prolific picture book writer, she burned through her money as quickly as she earned it, spending entire advances on Chrysler convertibles. She wore wolfskin jackets and hunted rabbits on weekends. By the way, the main character in this book is a rabbit. (laughs) Brown became a tough negotiator, once going so far as to mail her editor a set of dueling pistols. (laughs) You know, goodnight kittens, goodnight mittens, goodnight clock, and goodnight glock. She was engaged to two men and had a romance with a woman. It says, Brown met her at the home of a married man with whom they were each having an affair. Whoa. So with Shel Silverstein living at the Playboy Mansion, are children's book authors just the wildest people in the world? <laughs> you also need to know, Margaret Wise Brown had an enemy named Anne Carol Moore. And you know it's serious because they both have three names. <laughs> Or presidential assassins. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Isn't that weird? <laughs> John Wilkes Booth, Lee Harvey Oswald, Ed to Brutus. <laughs> Moore was librarian at the New York Public Library, and she was very powerful and very weird. She carried around with her everywhere a wooden doll named Nicholas Knickerbocker, and she made letterhead for him so she could write letters from his perspective. Nicholas wrote letters to Moore's friends on his own stationery. Moore insisted that her friends respond. (laughs) (laughs) She wrote a letter to a grown woman that said, I'm the sorriest little Dutch boy you ever knew over your accident. (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) Imagine something bad happens to you, then you get condolences that are vaguely threatening from a creepy wooden Dutch doll. (laughs) Wouldn't that be so much worse than the accident? 
I asked the manager of a comedy club in North Carolina, like who sold the most tickets when being a guest on morning radio. Cause I, I never like <laughs> to have to do that. And he said, Jeff Dunham, who is the, you know, the famous ventriloquist. And then he, he told me that Jeff Dunham, he brings the puppets with him to do radio. I also just can't believe so many people listened to a ventriloquist on the radio and said, he's amazing. <laughs> I gotta see what all these people look like. How does he do it, I imagine? <laughs> I bet he was drinking water that time. <laughs> so anyway, Anne Carol Moore, she eventually lost the doll in a taxi cab, which don't you think, what an awful Wilson moment that must have been for her. <laughs> A writer said, when Moore forgot Nicholas in a taxi, her colleagues did not mourn his loss. <laughs> <laughs> also, to me, that just sounds like a fun, creepy prank. <laughs> like the next time I get out of an Uber, I'm just going to leave a creepy doll behind. <laughs> so imagine, though, that taxi driver, he starts driving away and he adjusts his rear view mirror right as that orchestration comes in <laughs> i think something we could sell around halloween that would sell a lot is a creepy wooden doll with a walkie-talkie inside oh <laughs> i have this idea i want to get a patent for um, they have these dolls where a parent can record their voice on the doll so that every time the child hugs it, they hear, you know, I love you, Timmy. Just like a personalized message from the mom. Mm -hmm. I think it would be fun to make that recording. But then the kid doesn't know it. The parents don't know it. The recording is actually two hours long. It starts with, <laughs> I love you, Timmy. And then it just goes blank. And a couple hours later, <laughs> as the kid is asleep with it, it says, Timmy, Timmy, you there? It's the <laughs> devil. <laughs> I need you to do something for me. <laughs> so many possibilities. Every fifth time you squeeze it, it could say, you're crushing me. <laughs> So, Moore thought that Goodnight Moon was way too sentimental, because you know how the problem with Goodnight Moon was just too much emotion. <laughs> so, she gets it blocked from the New York Public Library, and she has huge influence. Someone said, if Anne Carol Moore didn't like a book, she could effectively kill it. Whoa. So, she's like uh, an opposite Oprah? <laughs> So Goodnight Moon was not a big seller for decades. And then suddenly, for reasons no one knows, it was huge after Brown and Moore were both dead. Wow. So then what happens to the book? Brown leaves the rights to this neighbor kid, Albert Clark. It ends up paying him at least $5 million, Whoa. and he blows all of it. <laughs> He's just living large on that Goodnight Moon money. <laughs> An article in 2000 says... He has no steady job, no fixed place of abode, dozens of arrests. <laughs> Today he has $27,000. Oh, wow. So all this to say, simple things can have crazy backstories. <laughs> and it turns out Goodnight Moon is like Poltergeist, where anyone who touched it is now just cursed. <laughs> 
I imagine that that guy came up with some good stories just so people would take him more seriously. Because can you imagine him? He's like on a luxury cruise ship sharing a table with CEOs. And one of them's like, so, man, uh, what's your story? What do you do? <laughs> There's no way that he was like, you ever heard of Goodnight Moon? <laughs> well, a woman I know wrote it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm picturing him rolling into the Bellagio lounge and the floor manager whispers into the CEO's ear, that's the heir to the goodnight moon fortune. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lesson three. With children's books, be brief. I know this is a narrow takeaway, but I just want all children's authors to understand that parents are never impressed by a word count. <laughs> this also goes for children authors. I'm looking at you, Paulini. I think a lot of parents enjoy this book because not only is it a short read, but it also has the subtle nighty-night reminder hidden about 20 times throughout it. <laughs> But I think it's funny that Disney finally became aware of this. They have a series of books called Five Minute Stories, <laughs> which is clearly only for parents, right? Because no kids are like, oh, good. That means I'll have more time for sleeping. <laughs> like, it should only be a positive experience when your child learns how to read but you realize that you have lost a superpower at that point when you're reading uh, a picture book with like thick paragraphs and just trying to skip to the important stuff. And suddenly one night your seven-year-old goes, Daddy, you skipped a part. And you're just like, oh no, this is what nighttime is now. All right, random facts. So why the bowl of mush? I think it's there are just few other things that rhyme with brush, and most of them aren't pleasant, right? Either like a toilet flush or a thrush, which is a bird and also a mouth fungus. But speaking of mush, I also think it would be fun to make a meal for my kids based off of Goodnight Moon. Uh, I would make mush, moon cakes, and boiled rabbit. <laughs> The main character is a baby rabbit, and they also have some pet cats. And I googled, do cats hunt rabbits? And the answer is a hard yes. <laughs> so I don't know if you noticed, Dave, but there is a copy of The Runaway Bunny on the bookshelf in this room. <laughs> I did not notice that. I had no idea I was supposed to be Robert Langdoning this book. <laughs> It's another book by Margaret Wise Brown. I just love the arrogance of putting Easter eggs in from the one other successful book she had. <laughs> the Goodnight Moon HBO special had the interview clip of the kid saying the, have you ever had a dream, but messing up over and over? You know that meme. Mm -hmm. His mom really wanted him to get into the movie, so he was trying to give a compelling speech, and then he just blew it. <laughs> and they put it in the outtakes, and he was devastated. <laughs> Good night, career. <laughs> 
All right, now here he is, the reason you're all here. Host of my favorite podcast, uh, Middle of Somewhere. Uh, he's taping a special December 3rd at the Orpheum Theater in Madison. Is it Madison? Sorry. Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. Chad Daniels. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. So uh, last time you were on, we discussed The Old Man and the Sea. Sure did. Uh, we're going to discuss a, a book just as ambiguous and almost as long. <laughs> <laughs> if you had any questions about whether or not this was a smart book, it's by Margaret Wise Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to publish my first book under Kellen Genius Erskine. <laughs> <laughs> did your parents read this to you growing up? They did not. No, my parents were 18 when I was born, so they still had a lot of living to do on their own. <laughs> wow. Did someone read it to them? <laughs> uh, I don't know how old this book is. Um is that say 1947? Holy crap. So I didn't know this book was that old. Um, it makes sense because it sucks. But <laughs> I mean, I don't like this book at all. I did read it to my kids. My parents did not read it to me. They read me, you know, like Cat in the Hat, you know, Dr. Seuss books, which is, you know, why I am fully racist now as an adult. <laughs> I love I love people always ask like everyone wants to do their own research but somehow can't make their own decisions while reading a Dr. Seuss book. It's like, well, if I read it, I'm gonna hate everybody. It's just so backwards all the time. But um, and I don't know that my grandparents read it to my parents. I mean, I can tell you this: I know for a fact my dad's parents didn't read it to him. Because my dad's dad left their family when my dad was two while my grandmother was in the hospital with my aunt having just had her. He just no. took off. And so my dad oh, was no. my dad was raised by his grandparents. So I never heard Goodnight Moon from my dad, but I did hear stuff like off the top rope because his grandparents watched tons of wrestling. <laughs> Isn't that weird? So I call this the Goonies effect, Chad. So you didn't you didn't read Goodnight Moon until you were an adult. I didn't watch Goonies until I was 25 and I watched it in a room full of people who grew up with it. Oh. And they were loving it, losing their minds, quoting it before the before the actor said the line. And I was sitting there like Truman show. Like, am I the only one here that realizes this is the worst? This is the most boring, ridiculous movie. How is this a hit? <laughs> that would be a fun prank on one friend is everyone watch a terrible movie and all pretend to love it. It'd be like one of those Cold War psych experiments. <laughs> The Goonies doesn't suck. You'd suck for not watching it earlier. Well, see. <laughs> I get really I had, defensive I, about the... I didn't know I, was, uh, I liked the Goonies so much. I just... But that's the thing. Like, I hear people complain about the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, but that's still, like, my favorite one because it was my favorite one when I was a kid because it had the most action and a happy ending. You know, it's cool sure. to say The Empire Strikes Back is the best one, but it's... It's a bummer, you know? <laughs> so, uh, well, first of all, Dave, did, did your parents read this to you growing up? Or did your... Uh, no. Did your dad also say, good night, moon, and then leave when you were born? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, I, I don't remember being read like children's children's books. I think the first ones I remember were like Narnia and things like that. Oh my word, this explains so much. <laughs> yeah, you had to Google Sinbad, the comedian, earlier. So <laughs> it's like, would you just get Nyquilled and left in a crib till you were five? <laughs> So then I'm in the minority here. I I grew up with this book. Do you guys have like a book, at least from your childhood, where when I open this book, I feel the way that I did as a kid. Like I I loved how the, the room got darker and darker. I wanted to, to fall asleep in this cozy room. You ever like watch a movie or see a TV show and people are getting in bed and you're like, oh man, I want to get in bed. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's where I'm coming from. Do either of you have, have a book like that that still like evoke those those feelings of child from childhood? I, I think that I would go with uh, well, the, where the wild things are by Maurice. Wow, um, <laughs> where the wild things are doesn't make you want to go to sleep ever. <laughs> so it had the exact opposite effect on me. I would so read that book and be like, "Cool, so this is a bedtime story, huh?" I don't think it's working right. Is there any chance you could run through the book of Revelations for me, Mom, before I try to sleep? Maybe that would be better. Oh, Mine was, there was this company that did personalized kids' books where they would print your name in the book. So it was called Flutie Hobbs and the Jigglin' Jolly Gollywobber. And it's about all these monsters trying to scare me, but then I scare them back. But the person who printed it printed my name in all caps. And so anytime I was introduced, it would be like, that's when I met Dave Vance, the kid who wasn't afraid. <laughs> I hope whoever was reading it to you yelled your name every time. <laughs> I know that that book is supposed to be empowering, but it seems like it would have the opposite effect. Because if there was, I know if I was showing, especially my my 10-year-old, if I was reading him a book about how monsters were chasing him, that's all he would take <laughs> from it. Like that's yeah. what I, that's what I hate about, especially a lot of DreamWorks movies where like uh, about a family uh, and the kids don't get along in the beginning, but then in the end they do. The only thing that kids remember for the from those movies are like the kids saying "Shut up, butthead!" like at the beginning. <laughs> That's all they take from it. No, no, no kid ever watched Home Alone and got to the end and was like, "Oh, I should be nicer to my younger brother." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like maybe I shouldn't be such a jerk and I can go on trips. It's always like. Well, if I gather up enough acorns, I can make an adult sprain their ankle. <laughs> Good Night Moon sold 50 million copies. Wow. My question is why. I have one theory, but <laughs> I want to get your opinions. I have a theory as well that they probably sold uh, 25 million copies, but uh, many of the dads that bought them were like, this book sucks and threw it in the garbage. And then the mom was like, okay, listen, I'm going to get the book again. If you could not throw it in the garbage, that would be awesome. And all of a sudden, boom, 50 million sold. That's a great business model. Here's why I don't like the book, I will tell you. Because yeah. you're giving children an excuse to stay up after you said it's bedtime. And that was my biggest pet peeve. It's like, oh, dad, I'm thirsty. It's like, well... I offered you a glass of water before. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, but dad, I need to go. There's stuffed animals upstairs I need to go say goodnight to. It's like, no, you had your chance. Now we're now we're in your bedroom. So 
You can say goodnight <laughs> to the things here. And then you've basically gifted these excuse-making children an entire <laughs> manuscript of what you get to say goodnight to for the next 30 minutes. Yeah, genuinely, there's a part where the adult is trying to shush the child and the child just storms right over her. It says, and goodnight to the old lady whispering hush. Good night, stars. Good night, air. <laughs> yeah. It's like they the kid just Heisman's the mom in the face, runs to the window and is like, there's the stars. Good night, stars. I have no time for it. And why is there a red balloon in the room? That's a choking hazard. You're going to sleep in your kid's room? <laughs> there are several like horror movie aspects to the book. Right. The ominous random red balloon is there. The woman yeah. whispering hush, it doesn't even say who she is. It just says there's an old lady in the room whispering hush, <laughs> <laughs> which I've woken up from a nightmare and seen the same woman. <laughs> but also like the creepiest part in the whole book, it throws you for a loop because they feed you beforehand what you think is just going to be in parallel afterward. There's like, it's like, what is it? Comb brush full of mush. And then it goes, good night, comb, good night, brush. You turn the page and it's blank and it just says, good night, nobody. <laughs> it like, is, hold it is strange, but that just shows you the lengths that children will go to not go to sleep. <laughs> They're like, is there anybody else? Oops, I almost forgot. Good night, nobody. Okay, come on. <laughs> I'm tired. I've been waiting to watch the end of Ozark. Please. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> it is time for bed. If you want to start saying good morning to all these things, take your time giving upstairs. You know what? I'm happy to sleep in an extra half hour while you say good morning to the cow jumping over the moon, which could never, ever happen. That is nice because then it gives them another like 10 to 15 minutes before they come jump on my crotch at 630. <laughs> yeah, it is incredible. It's like somehow they're drawn to the exact body part that they were part of at one point. <laughs> It's like they're salmon just trying to return home. Amazing. Just always oh a bullseye. It's like our first son, he would not cuddle. He wouldn't snuggle. He wasn't a big fan of, of prolonged touch. In fact, it was hard getting him to sleep because of that. I had to, instead of like holding and rocking him to sleep, he always just ran really hot. So I'd put him in his car seat thing and hold the handle and just like swing it like I was a machine. Between your legs, like you're doing kettleball swings. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And he would gain weight every week. So it was, it was, I could level up that way. But um, it was hard, especially for my wife, because she was like, oh, but you know, our daughter, she snuggled and I missed that. So fast forward to our second son and he's five now and he will still come and, and get in bed with us and now she's like okay i'm over it <laughs> that's when i get the the 4 a.m kick between the legs and uh -huh. you're right it's always there they never just like you know kick you in, in the side of the knee it's just always yeah, just the the precision right and like and then you go play <laughs> you'll go roll them the ball to play kickball and it's like mm -hmm. how are you striking out in kickball <laughs> <laughs> Should I draw my crotch on the kickball? Would that help you? And now, I don't know if you know this, but Goodnight Moon is now 
states have bought the rights or authors in different states. So there's like Goodnight Minnesota, Goodnight Wisconsin, where it's like uh, Goodnight old lady that's whispering, oh, geez, and good night, cow that ate all the cheese. I mean, it's like, good night, Wisconsin. It's good night, toys that go clicker and clacker. Good night, Aaron Rodgers, who's my favorite Packer. It's just a lot of very specific things. Yeah, how would they do like good night, Manhattan? You just open it up. It's, it's just a blinding light. And they're like, just kidding. The city never sleeps. Good luck. <laughs> You can't sleep. You're in New York City. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Dave, do you remember the Pace Bacani sauce? New York City ads? Uh, no. There would be these guys, right, Chad, or like cowboys yep. around a campfire, and they'd be yep. like, this is good salsa. And then one of them would be like, wait a minute, this stuff's made in New York City. And then all of them would chime in, New York City, and round up on the guy who, I don't know, bought it from the grocery store before he got to the camp. Yeah. Wait, was the ad in favor or against the sauce? It was It was for, <laughs> so it was for Pace Picante that was an original recipe salsa from a Southwest. You know, they'd go, oh, I, I brought some chips. Anybody got any salsa? And some guy would go, I have salsa. And they go, where's it from? And New York City. And they go, New York City! Get a rope. Like like they were going <laughs> to right. hang someone over where their salsa had been made. I had forgotten what a crazy marketing campaign was because there has never before or since there's never been an ad like double mint, double mint gum. What are you chewing? Trident? And then you just hear like a shotgun. Yes. It's straight murder. We're going to kill the person <laughs> who's eating the wrong thing. <laughs> Chad, I want to I want to gang up on Dave one more time. I never get to do Happy this during to. our podcast because it's just me. Yeah. So if the two of us 40-year-olds can do it. I'm 47. I look like I'm about 68. That's not true. <laughs> you have the hairline I had when I was 10, so please. <laughs> Did you start balding at 11? <laughs> Good night, hair. <laughs> oh, oh, that's very sad. I just wanted us to talk to Dave about reading versus listening to a book. So I do listen to books, especially nonfiction. Dave sort of opened this world up to me, and it's the only way that I can get through a book a week for this podcast because I'm a very slow reader. Like, I enjoy sure. reading, especially, like, fiction. But Dave only listens to books to the point where I'd wager this is the only paper book he's read this year. Um, but he still <laughs> will use the word read after he's listened to a book. Oh. And I just wanted to know if you could take sides. Oh, I, I'm already on your side. I'm fuming. Hold up. Quick point of order. I do also read books. I just listen <laughs> to a lot more. No, I don't. I don't care. So sorry, Dave. But regardless... I guess I don't get what the big deal is. The big deal is you're taking credit for something you didn't do. <laughs> Reading requires... Uh, this is going to surprise you. But reading. And you're not reading. So when you said it, it would be like, uh, oh, yeah, I, uh, I walked to the store to get this stuff. And you're like, holy crap, how far was it? Well, I don't really know. I was in the car. You're not walking. You're using a completely different word that you're not doing. 
It's like, uh, I just did the Iron Man, the iconic triathlon. No, I listened to Iron Man. <laughs> Dave, clearly I'm not mad at you, but I did think getting uh, aggressively upset would be good for the program. <laughs> <laughs> my, my pushback here, I feel like when people feel like audiobooks don't count, it causes people to not listen to audiobooks. And I think the reality is you just go through so many more books if you're open to audiobooks. Oh, I'm, I'm open to them. I agree. But I do think you, then you just say, hey, I listened to that book. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the clip when uh, Hitler is screaming in German and his hair is flapping all over the place. Yeah, He's got that uh-huh. little mustache and the crowd is going crazy. I actually learned German so I could know what he was talking about. And he was actually talking about audiobooks and how ridiculous, <laughs> how ridiculous it is to say you read an audiobook, which is pretty crazy. I mean, I know he's not on the great people that have ever lived list. Yeah, but, your, your authority figure is Hitler. <laughs> but to have the insight to know that people were going to pull this nonsense. I guess he is a best-selling author. <laughs> Yeah, did, let me guess. You read Mein Kampf? <laughs> Listened. <laughs> There's one thing that we don't say goodnight to in this book. I don't know if you noticed, but on the first page, there is a tiger skin rug. And I just want to know the story. You know, I was always told that the reason that he doesn't say goodnight to the tiger skin rug is because he said goodnight to the tiger when he slit its throat. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> At least that's how it was that's how it was read to me. As as he's dragging the knife, he's like, It's the last time you bring the salsa from New York City. <laughs> uh, well this is that seems like a fun place to end. <laughs> This is always a blast. I will will do this show. I would do this show whenever you guys needed a guest because I always have a blast with you guys. Thanks so much, Chad. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's great having you on. Next time we'll do uh, Where's Waldo. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually, I'm sure it'll lead to some conversation about Stalin. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, listen, he hit a lot of people. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> All right, to recap, our favorite lessons from Goodnight Moon. One, it can be hard to predict and or duplicate success. Two, nice things can have dark backstories. Three, with children's books, be brief. Four, wear a cup to bed. And number five, if you're going to bring Pace Picante camping with you, also bring something that can cut a rope. And now, as promised... Here's that bonus audio. It's a conversation that we had with Chad, uh, trading a few stand-up comedy stories. Every comedy club, lights are out. The show is about to start. On average, like half these people have never been to a comedy show, so they're excited, but they also don't know what's about to happen. So a voice in the back of the room, the God voice, will go... Ladies and gentlemen, Chad Daniels is here. And so like now half the crowd is thinking that Chad's going to walk on stage, like the guy they paid to see. And then they're like, all right, put your cell phones away. Uh, first up tonight, a uh, local favorite. It's uh, Ryan, you know, and then so we're <laughs> <Right>. like. <laughs> I have a guy sometimes uh, when I'm out in California or Washington, his name's Chad Denick. Really funny dude. 
And yeah, so they'll go, and now put your hands together for your host and MC, Chad, duh, and they they hit the D and everyone's like <laughs> looking around and there's such a confused applause when he walks on stage. It's just, it's so funny to me. I worked with this comic out in New Jersey, Matt Bergman, and <laughs> he's from Buffalo and he's friends with the bassist from Goo Goo Dolls. So he's done, he's done some shows with the Goo Goo Dolls, like opened and Chad, you and nice. I know how, how it never works like opening for a band, but it, it can just be fun being at a concert, you know? Yeah. And just like blowing everyone's mind in the worst way possible when you walk <laughs> out and just start talking. I know. <laughs> like, is this is this the acapella opening guy? <laughs> This guy, he says that when he does these shows and they always introduce them the same way. The lights go down and then again, that announcer voice, ladies and gentlemen, from Buffalo, New York, because this guy's from <laughs> to the crowd. <laughs> and then he's just like, Matt Bergman. Everyone's <laughs> like, that's that so, name too. <laughs> that's so great. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for all the way from Buffalo, New York, he... Won't tell no one your name. It's, you know, and they're like, this has got to be them. That's in their song. But he just uses their lyrics for his intro. That's so great. Kellen, we already talked about this, how before the Beatles went on Ed Sullivan, everyone who was there for them had to watch a magician. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I um, So my buddy Chris Fairbanks, got booed off stage opening for Cindy Lauper. I need you to think about that for a second. People were driving to this concert, probably doing drugs that make you feel good because you're about to go hear a song about if you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting time after time. And I can see your true colors shining through, right? These are very positive pro-society songs. And people were like, boo! Get off the stage, you jokes suck! I can see your true colors, and your true colors should not be in comedy! Just heckling him and screaming at him. And it's like one of my favorite comedy stories of all time. Listen, you know, I get it. Girls just want to have fun, but can you give me 10 minutes? <laughs> 